This is the Blind Grilling Experience, and I am the most interesting griller in the world. Welcome, BGE Nation. This is your man, Chris Peltz, and we are going to be talking about meat today. That's right. We get a lot of questions about cooking different types of meat and how do you know when it is done? And that's what we're going to be addressing today. Not only some of the techniques to get things done, but we're going to look at uh, pretty much the various ways that folks use to cook meat and how they know when it is done. We're going to look at the hit and miss techniques and we're going to look at the way that is tried and true and hard to go wrong with. So that's what we're going to be talking about on today's show. Again, you can ask your questions at blindgrilling at gmail.com. If you want to send us an email with your questions and uh, any other feedback you may have for the show, blindgrilling at gmail.com. We love to hear from you and welcome all of your questions and thoughts concerning the show as we are moving forward and, and trying to make sure that we're giving you some good quality uh, uh, content. And as we move forward, we want to, uh, not only entertain by all means, but also be informative, be encouraging and strive to help those who are blind and visually impaired, particularly be independent in the kitchen and at the grill. And so we get a lot of questions about how to know when meat is cooked. And first of all, there's a few techniques that people use and one of them is simply timing, right? Making sure that the temperature is, is at a certain temp and then timing uh, how long it takes to cook certain things. And for a lot of folks, it generally works pretty well, especially the more you do it and the more consistent it can become. But every once in a while, there are those epic fails, and sometimes it's just merely, it's, it's good enough, but it's not perfect. Uh, and that's really the problem with the timing method of cooking. Now, listen, I used that for a long time. I used it for uh, burgers and, and brats, and then sometimes I still kind of use it, you know, for things like brats and hot dogs. But, um, you know, I, I used it in times past for, for steaks. I've used it for pork and chicken. And, and there would be times when I would pull meat off and cut into it, and it is not done. And there'd be other times when we'd cut into it, and, and it was way overdone and dried out and just... You're just not good. And if there was a lot of different cuts or, um, you know, different size cuts on the, on the grill, we would pull it off and someone's might be perfect. Another one's might be a little overdone. Someone's might be a little underdone. And it was almost just kind of a, a hit and miss kind of thing. And, you know, a lot of folks wouldn't complain, you know, they get by and they've been doing it for years and, and, and there's probably no way to change some minds on that. That's just what they're used to. They deal with it and they, you know, they go from there. But hopefully, 
what we can do is we can uh, give you or help you to understand some of the other techniques and and some accessible tools that will allow you to be a lot more consistent and precise on getting food done and getting it done properly. And listen, this isn't just a question that is asked by those who are blind or visually impaired. There's a lot of sighted folks out there who are always wondering about how to know when meat is cooked, when it is done. And I hear a lot of folks, sighted folks, that talk about how they're always drying out, whether it's a chicken breast, whether it's a pork loin, whatever it is, they overcook it. It's always overdone. Uh, or sometimes with steaks, it's it's underdone. With brisket, it's you know it's not quite done, and so we're going to address that. We're going to get into all those things today, and we're going to divide it up into a couple of different categories. And you know, while there is a timing to some of this uh, that we'll and we'll talk about when timing uh, is used as we go through today's show, but. What I want us to try and do is really start thinking about internal temperatures and combining that. Even if you're so set on, you know, on timing of everything, I would really strongly encourage anyone and everyone to get a thermometer, an instant read thermometer to keep track of your temperatures, to check your temperatures and find out where they're at. You can always buy probes that you stick in and leave while things are cooking. Uh, Some of the accessible ones that we talk about here on the program is by Flame Boss. Of course, it's a controller as well as a uh, monitor. And so you can hook up the Flame Boss and stick a meat probe in meat, and you can monitor it through an accessible app on your phone or through your Amazon Alexa. Or uh, you can uh, get a iGrill by Weber, which is a Bluetooth device. The Flame Boss is Wi-Fi, uh, or it'll direct connect to your phone, however you want to do it. The iGrill is through Bluetooth connecting to your, to your device, uh, and you can monitor that way. And then, of course, there's just simply the instant uh, instant read thermometers that when you go out, you take it with you, you put it in the meat, you get a temperature read, you pull it out. Uh, so those are a couple of things that I would strongly recommend folks consider looking at and purchasing and having on hand to do the best possible cook that you can do. And, and while there still can be some timing involved in this, especially if you just have an instant read, and listen, those instant read thermometers, you can get a talking instant read thermometers from Thermoworks for you know $30 or $40. So they're not overly expensive. Uh, the iGrill, you know, can run up to $100, but you can, you know, have multiple meat probes connected to it, the iGrill 2. Uh, and then, of course, the Flame Boss 400, uh, is starting around $220, $230, but you know, with one meat probe. And so, uh, so there are options that are out there for you. The problem that we run into though, is when we, when we start talking about certain cuts of meat, sometimes it's, it's not as precise of timing or of temp. And we'll look at that, but we're going to start with the cuts of meat that are very precise, that regardless of 
uh, of how you like your steaks, regardless of how you like your brisket, regardless of how you like your pulled pork, there are certain cuts of meat, such as chicken and, and other poultry and pork, like pork loin, pork chops, that have a set temp you must get them to to be safe and to keep from drying them out, not to overcook them. And so that's where we're going to start because chicken breast is probably one of the biggest things that people say is so hard to grill without drying it out. And it can be a little tricky if you are a little careless or um, nonchalant about it, but you can make some excellent grilled chicken breast, juicy and tender, flavorful, and not dried out and not undercooked if you will use a thermometer. The USDA recommendation for chicken breast is 165 degrees internal temperature. And so that's what you're shooting for. Now, uh, I personally take it to 160 and then it rests just a little bit. Uh, You know, and there are some other little tricks, you know, if you're cooking it in something else, sometimes we'll cook some chicken breast with intention of taking it out and, and cooking it in uh, another type of dish that's going to be in the oven a little bit longer. And so I may only take it to 150 or 155, but I know I'm going to cut it up and put it in something that's going to go back on the smoker in the oven and cook longer, which will bring the temperature up, but it will also then keep that chicken from drying out. But the biggest thing to keep in mind is ultimately you want to get white meat up to 160 to 165, uh, and that, that goes turkey, chicken, dark meat, you want to add 10 degrees. So you want, you're looking for what, 170, 175 uh, when, it comes to, uh, when it comes to dark meat. And so that's kind of the, the range that we're looking at. And chicken is probably one of the biggest things uh, besides a pork loin that folks often talk about always drying out. And so if you want to throw a chicken breast on a grill, and of course, most folks know I use the big green egg mainly. And so I even with chicken breast will cook it indirect. I'll still cook it 350 to 400 degrees, but I'll have my plate setter in the egg. So the chicken is not directly above the charcoal. Uh, it is, it's got that plate setter in between the deflector, uh, the convector as they call it. And, and so it's an indirect cook, but we're still getting that smoke flavor and we can still get really good grill flavor on that chicken breast, but with a probe in it or checking it occasionally, making sure we don't go above, you know, 165, um, you know, and a lot of times folks will check it's 175, it's 180, and sure, it's done, and it's safe, but then it's it's overcooked, it's a dried out, and, and it, it can be doable, but uh, when you get it right, folks, it, it is, it's amazing the difference that can be made when you are, uh, when you're cooking meat to the right temperature. And so, so that's the first piece of meat that we want to talk about. And the other would be like your pork chops, your pork loin, your pork tenderloin, whether you're smoking it, whether you're pan frying it, whether you're baking it, the internal temp for pork, according to the USDA is 145, 145 degrees internal temp. 
again, I, I take it to 140. Um, but you know, so between that 140 and 145 mark is where I generally take my pork loin, tenderloin, or uh, or pork chops. And so, you know, when dealing with that type of, of cut of pork, that's where I want the internal temp to be. If you start getting up to 165, 170, 175 on your pork loin, it is dry. And, and again, folks eat it, you know, they can have some good flavor, but it, it, it'll be dry. And, and that's where a lot of folks, when they have, you know, eaten pork that has been cooked correctly to the correct temperature, they're just amazed at the difference because not only is the flavor there, but the, the tenderness and the juiciness, and it's just a much better experience. And so internal temp, especially on those types of cuts, are extremely important to really understand and and to shoot for. And to have a thermometer, to have a tool to help you get to that point and not to overshoot it. Uh, now, again, a lot of folks want to go on timing. They've, they've cooked things for so long, for so many years, and they've done it at a certain time. But I'm telling you, even with timing, even if it's done every time, it, it'll it be a little bit drier one time than the other. And when you can use a thermometer, you're going to not only be more consistent, uh, but you're going to have a much better experience and sharing that food with others as well who will be blown away at how well you've done at cooking those particular cuts of meat. And so, uh, so that's my first little bit that I want to talk about is, is those particular cuts of meat. But as we move forward, there are some cuts of meat that are not quite as specific when it comes to the, you know, the particular temperature that you may be shooting for. And that's what we're going to talk about next. Before we do that, though, let's uh, talk about one of our partners. This week, our partner is Pits and Grills here in Springfield, Missouri, located at 1920 East Sunshine Street. Pits and Grills has all your needs covered when it comes to smokers and charcoal grills and gas grills, from Big Green Egg to Weber to Green Mountain Grills, Pits and Spits, and even the Gateway Drum Smoker. They've got charcoal, they've got rubs, they've got sauces, and all the accessories you could possibly imagine. Thermoworks, uh, instant read thermometers, flame boss controllers, the iGrill by Weber, they have it covered and they can help you out. Get ready for this grilling season. You got questions, they've got not only answers, but they've got the tools to help make sure that your next cook is going to be your best cook. Check them out at Pits and Grills. Dot com. Check them out on Facebook. That's P-I-T-S, the letter N, G-R-I-L-L-S, Pits and Grills. Give them a call. Check them out on Facebook, 1920 East Sunshine Street in Springfield, Missouri. So, folks, as we move on to our next few cuts of meat, 
Let, let's talk about state because that's probably one of the next biggest things that people really want to know about because everyone likes their steak cooked a little bit different. Some like it medium rare. Some like it, you know, knock off the horns and the hooves and walk it through the kitchen. Others, you know, they want burnt offerings given to them when it comes to their steak. For some reason, they want it well done. I can't imagine, but it happens. So some folks like it that way. And if you are going to try and please your guest and cook for them, and you want to make steaks for them, it's not always about cooking the way you want. Oh, sure, you can cook your steak the way you want. But if you're going to have guests over, you ought to find out what they like and how they want their steak, and then cook it for them. Cook it for them their way, that way, their way. And the best way to do that is to keep track of internal temps. Now, there are all kinds of ways to cook steak. You can sear it and let it rest. You can sear it and, uh, you know, on a skillet on top of the stove and then stick it in the oven for a little bit. You know, you can reverse sear it where you slow smoke for a little while and then you sear after you've smoked it up to a certain temp. But the question for steak is, what is the internal temp? Probably some of the most popular steaks are either ribeye or fillets. Now, I know a lot of folks will like sirloins as well, but let's first talk about the fillets and the ribeyes. Uh, That's some of the more popular, and a lot of steaks will fall right in line with this as well. And a lot of folks that I talk to want it medium rare. And to accomplish this, my personal preferred method is a reverse sear. So I will fire up the big green egg for an indirect cook, and I will uh, get it up to about 250 to 275 degrees. I'll put the meat on with with a probe in the meat, and I'll bring the internal temperature of those steaks to about 120 degrees. Some folks, depending on personal preference, will stop at 115. Others will take it to 125 to 130. I bring it to about one between 120 125. And then I'll sear both sides. And for me, that's the perfect medium rare. Uh, generally, folks are wanting around 140. If they don't like a lot of pink, a lot of red still in the meat, um, you know, and you're trying to please someone that's like, well, I, you know, I don't like it, you know, really rare, but I don't want it overdone. Generally, then about 140 degrees internal temp is what you're shooting for. Uh, and that will please a lot of people that 140 to 145. But for those who really know what they want and they want medium rare, you know, the, that 120 to 125 slow smoked, and then searing on both sides for about a minute to two minutes, depending on how thick the meat is, that will get you pretty close to where you're wanting. And there it's not always a specific temperature when it comes to the meat. All right, If it's medium rare, you want it below 140 for sure. Folks that want it medium, you know, is that 140 to 145 um, and for that, uh, you know, medium well, you're going up to 150 and, and above 150 for everyone else. But generally, you're going to be cooking steaks for that medium rare to medium 
And usually medium you know, folks that really prefer the their sirloins. And so you're going to want that between that 140, you know, around the 145 mark on the sirloin. And so you, you know, 130 to 135 slow smoke and then sear each side. Now, if you're cooking inside, then you want to sear first and you want to do that steakhouse method and you want to take and put some butter in a skillet and you want to get that skillet screaming hot and you want to sear both sides of that thick cut steak about two minutes on each side and then stick it in an oven that's preheated to 350 degrees for anywhere from five to ten minutes. And, and that's where you really got to watch your temp. That's where you want that instant read or a thermometer like the eye grill that you can stick uh, the probe in the meat when it goes in the oven and bring it up to the internal temp that you want, whether it's that, you know, just under 140 or just above 140. Uh, but that meat probe is going to help you get that perfect cut, that perfect doneness that you want on your steaks. And so again, you can see why that that thermometer can be so important and so vital in really getting the perfect uh, doneness of your steaks. And and a lot of folks talk about the feeling of the fingers and and the pad, you know, and the thumb of the doneness and 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 some folks, you know, get by f- okay with that, but even then, sometimes it's overshot or undershot. It's never consistent. Um, there's always that time or two. And some will say, oh, man, you nine times out of ten, I'm getting it perfect. You know, and then there's that one time you don't. You know, and when you got a thermometer and you pay attention and you go by the internal temperature, there isn't that one time. You know, it, it is, it's, it's 10 times out of 10. You, your consistency is just that it's consistent. It's right there and perfect. And you will be putting out some of the best stakes of your life. Uh, and, and, and you will be just amazed and you'll know why so many times you'll hear those folks with, whether it's a big green egg, a KJ or whatever grill that they have become, uh, you know, so accustomed to. They're they're telling you it's hard to go out to a restaurant and eat a steak because of how well they can do it at home. Generally, they know the internal temp of their meat. And so that's one of the big keys is getting that steak done at that, you know, that right temperature, that right meat. Um, And so not only then uh, do we go from steak, but what about ribs and pulled pork? Because that's another ball game altogether, and you know if you want pork to be sliced and bite through like a pork loin, and maybe you've got some country style or western style ribs, that one forty can work. With country style or western style ribs, though, you can really take those up to that one hundred eighty to one hundred ninety degree mark, and almost make more of a pulled pork with them. But if you're doing a Boston butt and you are slow smoking a, a Boston butt, you're looking for an internal temp, at least I recommend. Now, and this is, again, this is going to be some personal preference. This is where the fun 
gets into it, right? This is less technical and more about personal preference because with pulled pork, I like to get 200 degrees. If I can go over that a little bit, that's great. If it happens, you know, and I'm, I'm pressed for time and it's reached 195 to 198, somewhere in there, it's doable. The bone usually pulls out really easy on a pork shoulder or a Boston butt. And it can be shredded really nice for some stu- some really good pulled pork. Uh, but if you go to that 200 to 205, somewhere in there, you know, you're still not going to be mushy. And it's still going to have, you know, a little bit of texture to it. But it's going to pull really nice. And it's going to make for some amazing pulled pork sandwiches, pulled pork nachos, whatever you want to do with the pulled pork. Uh, but that 200 degree mark, I think, is a really good one because you can stop short or go over just a little bit and still have a really good product on your hands when it comes time to cut into it and eat. And with ribs, now let's see, that's another ball game altogether because, especially for those who are blind or visually impaired, and that's where I I almost get into a little bit more timing, but I do have a temperature that I look for because, you know, with ribs. I like to be able to pull the bone out. Now, a lot of folks who, you know, can see will look at ribs and they'll see as the meat is starting to kind of pull away from the bone. But if you're blind or visually impaired, that's not always something you can do. That's not something that you can just look at a rack of ribs and say, oh, yeah, the meat's starting to pull away. You know, we're, you know, we're good. And so it's done. And, and so again, uh, you know, you can get down to a timing like I'll, I will cook ribs unwrapped at 300 degrees on the big green egg for an hour and 15 to an hour and 30 minutes. And then I'll take and I'll wrap them. Now, I'm not giving the whole recipe right now. This isn't about recipes as much as it is temperatures and, and timing. And so after about an hour and 15 to hour and 30 minutes, I will wrap them. And then I'll let them go for another hour and 15 to hour and 30 minutes. This is at 300 degrees on a big green egg. And and once it gets to that, I may probe it with a meat temp, you know, with a meat probe and look for over 190 degrees, but less than 200. Because right around that 195 to 200, the bone will pull out, but you'll still have a little bit of bite through on the meat. Uh, you know, if you want the, you know, to fall off the bones and almost get mushy, which some people like that for their ribs, take it over 200 degrees uh, and, and that'll be fine. And you'll be able to tell with that internal temp of the meat with that probe, or as you put the probe in and it just slides through with no resistance, you know, they're done. You know, if you got a good pair of gloves, grab an end of a bone. And if it just kind of, when it slides out, you're good to go. Uh, and you can do that with ribs. And so the temperature range, it can be just that, a range of things, depending on personal preference of how you like your ribs, whether you want a little bite through, whether you want, you know, you know, to just fall apart, you know, that's something, again, that you've got to kind of pay attention to yourself uh, and, and know, you know, your, your personal preference on that. But next up, folks. We're going to talk about the big daddy of barbecue, and that is Texas brisket. For that, though, we're going to take another break.
Today we're talking about the Flame Boss 400, a completely accessible monitor and controller for your Camadu cookers like the Big Green Egg, Vision Grills, Camadu Joe, or even your barrel and drum smokers if you get the universal mount. It is the cruise control for your grill. Check out flameboss.com. Again, it is accessible. Those who are blind or visually impaired can download the the accessible app onto their iPhone or Android device, or you can use the Amazon Alexa to just simply ask Flame Boss what your temperature is. You can even adjust the fan speed and control to make your temperature go up or down all by your phone or your Amazon device. You can do it while you're at home, or you can do it while you're out at the store. And you can continue to check your meat because it is a Wi-Fi-enabled controller. So you can keep track of your cook all around the world. Check out flameboss.com to check to look at their cruise controls for your group. All right, folks, my favorite cut of meat has got to be the brisket. I mean, that's that's got to be it. I love beef brisket. And it is probably one of the more intimidating cuts of meat for a lot of folks as well. They are just scared to death to spend the money on a whole packer brisket because they don't want to mess it up. And, and, and because they say it's expensive. Now, they're right. You buy a whole packer brisket. And you're going to spend 40 to 60 bucks, depending on the weight. Per pound, it's not that expensive. You can get them, you know, I mean, it, granted it fluctuates, and right now beef prices are kind of out of whack, but generally $2.99 to $3.99, you can get a good whole, you know, a pound, two ninety nine a pound or three ninety nine a pound, a good whole packer brisket with both the flat and the point all together. So not only can you get some nice slice through leaner parts of the brisket, but you can make some fatty burn ins as well. And so I recommend the whole packer brisket uh, if you can do it. And, and I really try to help folks understand that it's not as intimidating as you think. I usually do a whole packer brisket anywhere from 14 to 17 pounds in about eight hours. And so if I got to cook for a lunch or a, a supper, you know, I'll either start it the night before or the morning of, and it's ready to go. There's a lot of folks that want to cook meat and they want to brag about cooking meat for 12, 18, 20 hours. And, and you can do that and you can have some great results. I'm over that. All right. You, you can just miss me with that. I, I'm, um, I, I don't know, you know, that's good for you. And I have no doubt that the meat is great and and enjoyable. Absolutely no doubt. But at the same time, I would put up brisket that I cook against anybody, you know, as far as that's concerned. Now, granted, a lot of that's personal taste. I understand that. But when it comes to a cut of meat like brisket, first of all, it doesn't have to take that long. I cook on the big green egg, my briskets, and I do it at 275 degrees uh, as far as the cooking temperature. That's what I gr- get the grill up to, 275 degrees indirect on the big green egg. And I'll cook for the first four hours unwrapped completely. And I'll even check temp. I don't monitor the temp. I'm not, 
I don't, you know, I can, and it's, you know, anywhere from four to five hours, depending really on the weight of the brisket. You know, if it's a smaller cut, I'll try to be closer to that four to four and a half hours. If it's a larger cut, I may let it go four and a half to five hours. And then I'm going to wrap it. And when I wrap it, I put a thermometer or probe in the meat and I and I pay attention to the meat temp of the brisket. Now, when you're cooking brisket, you're going to bring the temperature up to, at least my preference is, just over 200 degrees internal temp. But that doesn't mean it's done. And I'm going to tell you, the timing on that is going to be different on almost every cut of brisket that you buy. That's why timing can be so difficult when it comes to cooking large cuts of meat like this. And there's a lot of variables that go into this. And so with brisket, what you're looking for is probe tender. What you want to be able to take that meat probe and run it through the brisket and have no resistance from the meat at all. Almost like running through, um, you know, completely softened butter and and just no just goes right through with no resistance and i'll start checking for that resistance when my internal temp hits around that 205 to 207 mark sometimes it's done earlier sometimes it's ready to go and i've even had meat hit 198 or 200 degrees and i go out and i probe it and it is probe tender and it is done and I've had meat go all the way to 212 degrees, and it's just starting to get probe tender in certain spots. And that's the thing. With brisket, you want to check everywhere. You want to take that probe in various parts of the meat and make sure there's no resistance. If there's any resistance, keep it wrapped and keep it on the smoker just a little bit longer. And then and check it every 15 to 30 minutes until there is no more resistance. You know, and so that 200, the 205 mark for your internal temp is just so you know now it's time to look for or feel for the no resistance in the brisket. And so that's what you're looking for when it comes to a cut of meat like brisket. And so uh, a lot of folks, you know, they're intimidated by the brisket, but really they don't have to be because if you can pay attention to the temperature of your smoker and the temperature of the meat, you can have an amazing brisket almost every time. You know, a lot of folks get a little paranoid. They get so caught up in the stall. And the stall happens with pork butt. It happens with with brisket. Anything you're going to cook above 160 or 170, there's going to be a little bit of a stall that takes place. And that stall, I mean, is basically when the, the fat begins to render inside the meat and when that fat begins to render it actually cools down the meat or slows down the cooking process of the meat uh, and and it'll stay or drop in internal temp for a while It, it might be an hour or two and a lot of folks get a little paranoid when that begins to take place. Like, oh, no, it's not going up. What's happening? It's going down or it hasn't moved in so long because they've reached the stall. And there's been even some occasions when meat will seem to stall twice. And so I don't pay attention to the internal temp of meats that I'm cooking above 170 until 
uh, I get to that 190 to 200 degrees. And that's when I start watching the temperature and then going in for the uh, probe tender. And so I hope that is helpful for folks when it comes to the meat that they're cooking and they're wondering, what do I cook it to? What's the best temperature to cook this meat to? You know, whether it's chicken whether it's a pork loin or tenderloin, whether it's a beef steak or, um, you know, a, a roast, maybe, you know, you want to be in that 180 to 190, depending on the, the cut of roast. You, but really that probe tender is what you're looking for once you get above that temp. When it comes to your roast, when it comes to your briskets, you're looking for probe tender. So I hope that is helpful to folks. And, uh, you know, if you got questions, email me, blindgrilling at gmail.com. Love talking about this kind of thing and, and love to help you out uh, if I can. But I got another tip for you as well. Before we get to that, though, let's take a break for just a minute. All right, folks, we got an extra tip for you today when it comes to internal temp of food when you're cooking. For those who are blind or visually impaired, yeah, we can feel potatoes pretty good, but still sometimes folks are wondering, how do I know when a potato is done and perfect when it for a baked potato? And I'm going to give you an internal temp to look for, and that internal temp is 210 degrees. You can eat a baked potato when it's a little less than that, you know, 205 to 207, you know, it's probably good and you're good to go, especially if you're pressed for time, you've got guests and you don't want to wait any longer. But with a with a an instant read thermometer like the Thermoworks talking thermometer, you can stick that into your potato, look for an internal temp around 210 degrees and folks, that is a perfect temp for baked potatoes. Whether you want to do double stuffed baked, double baked potatoes or just a simple baked potato, get that internal temp to about uh, about 210 degrees and folks, you'll have some amazing baked potatoes. So that's the extra tip for today's program. I hope this has been informative uh, for you. I hope it's something that this you guys have been interested in. You know, we're going to cover a wide variety of subjects, of topics, and this is just one that we've decided to talk about today and this week. And so if you have any questions, check us out and on YouTube and Facebook, youtube.com slash blindgrilling, facebook.com slash blindgrilling, our our website, which hopefully we'll be revamping pretty soon, which is blindgrilling.org. And of course, the email blindgrilling at gmail.com. Until next time, remember, if you're looking, you ain't cooking.